end with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, <clears throat> this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if you, your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory, or in some translations, show me your glorious presence. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord. I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Amen. My, my sort of thought this morning, I was thinking about what to share, is what's God's glory all about? That's what I want to share. What's God's glory all about? Now, we hear all these lovely phrases and the glory of God and everything else. And I've been asking myself, for, for many of us, if not all of us, we think it's something that is way out there. It's not really for me. It's only for just the odd occasion. And I was thinking about this, and, and I, I just felt we need to share how important it is for you and I right today. Because glory, quite simply, is the manifestation of God's presence. Is that okay? You understand that one? That's the rocket science. It speaks of splendor, abundance, honor, weight, fame, renown, love. We see that the glory of God is everything that makes God, God, all his characteristics. Now, that is an awesome thought, isn't it? It really is. That's our God. We can have and experience all that God is. All are contained within God's glory. Nothing is kept out. Nothing is left out. And, you know, when you think of the glorious presence of our God, that makes me think, well, how does it affect me? How does it relate to me? What's it all about? As we walk with God and we are born again and we know the Lord as our Savior, it's all about Jesus, and that is so, so true. Um, I just wonder, now, how, does, how does it relate to me? As I serve God, as I walk with God, as I do things for God, how, how is it all about? What's it all about? We, we, we sing about the glory of God and everything else. And I, I've, I've tried to figure out, you know, here we see Moses, you know, he, he asks for this. He asks for this. Now, if Moses can ask for it, can't we? I think that's very important because it's so lovely because God knew Moses by name. Very personal, that. And here we are, born-again Christians, children of God. God is our Father, and he knows us all by name. He knows my name, you know. He knows I am Robert Kilpatrick. 
born in Scotland, at the center of the earth, <laughs> and he's pleased with Robert Kilpatrick. That's my Sunday name, Robert Kilpatrick. Um, and you know, that is, for, the, for all of us, that's how it is. If he knows Moses by name, he knows us by name. All our names are written, are they not? In the Lamb's Book of Life. So he knows us personally. And I find that quite reassuring as I go about my normal things. And so, what's God's glory all about for us today? Well, I want to share two things this morning, and it's, it's simply this. It's the importance of God's presence in all we do. That's God's glory. Um, an anxious Moses pleads for God's help. And, and he says to God, are you going with me or are you not, Lord? That's a fair question. If you're responsible for a whole nation, you want God to be there, don't you? If you want God in your life in any situation, you want him to be there. We want him right there in our circumstances. Uh, we want his presence to be there. And Moses um, wanted that. And God says, my presence will go with you. And, you know, I find that very encouraging because I feel that Moses at that time, when you think of the amount of folks he had responsibility for, they were not perfect, were they? They were a ramshackle crowd of people. And I'm sure at times Moses wondered, what on earth have I got into? I've got this responsibility. And I'm sure Moses felt like saying, Lord, just beam them all up. You know, take them now. Beam them up like Scotty beamed up all these folks in that well-known, real-life Star Trek. And many of us at times feel that way with regard to people. And Moses asks, show me your glory. Or I, I like the better uh, phrase, show me your glorious presence. That seems to emanate something. It seems to just give me something that's really very significant. And one person said, we cross a line when we make such a request. Show me your glorious presence. Show me your glory. When our deepest desire is not for the things of God, but God himself. There's a big difference. We cross a line there, you know. Because so often, we are quite similar like this. You know, we want it to be for us. For us. And, God, and when you cross that line to show Show me your presence, Lord. Show me your glorious presence. We cross a line. We're going to forget about the money, forget about the power, forget about the position. I just want you. Now, that sounds very simple, and we've heard it often, but that's a very important concept as a Christian. That's so, so important because many of us are not seeking God's kingdom. Some of us want God's glory for our kingdom and our goods. And I must say, that was the way I was for a long time. Um, I wanted to be somebody. You know, I'm Bob Kilpatrick. Do you know me? I'm famous, which is all the rubbish, isn't it? But many of us in serving God, we seem to have this attitude that, that we, God wants us to, or we want God to make us look good. And I think God doesn't, doesn't want to do that. Too many ego trips, too much control, too much seeking our kingdom. You know, why did Moses want to see his glory? Now, you know, I, I've been out to Toronto a few times and I've been to Niagara Falls. You've been to Niagara Falls? Wonderful place. 
been there a few times, and you're under, under there, and you see all that, all that coming down, you think, wow, this is an awesome thing, you know. Uh, you, you, you never lose the joy and the awesomeness of going to Niagara Falls, you know. It's great to see Niagara Falls, but it's another world to see the person who made it. Don't you think? There's a big difference. I'd love to go there, but my desire would be that I really want to see the Creator God who, is, who knows be my name. He knows my name. He wants His presence to be here. From a beautiful something to a, a beautiful someone. And that's the big step. That's a big step forward when you realize that. Knowing God, somebody said, is better than knowing answers. You get a hold of that? Many of us would like to know everything. I would like to be a know-all in some things. But when I look at my sons now, they know more than me, and I am not impressed by that at all, you know, because they're telling me what to do. Now, listen, Dad, this is what it's all about. And intellectually, they are way ahead of me. They've got their mother's genes. You know the idea. But the point is this, that it's not about that. It's all about knowing God is better than knowing answers. This is not for the famous few, but for the family of God. That's what I'm trying to say. The glorious presence of God, the glory is all about His presence in us individually in every given situation. It is not for the favored few. Now, get a hold of that concept. It's very, very important. You and I are walking around today with the glorious presence of God in us. That's my concept of it anyway. If we're living the life God wants us to live, and we, and, and it's, and we, we're, we're, we, we know the joy of, of just dealing with our sin and our issues. We need to deal with our issues, by the way. It's quite helpful to get rid of our issues. But if we, you know, if... If we can reflect the glory of God, people can actually see it. You know that. They can see it in you and me, the glorious presence of God. I remember once, a few years ago now, when we were pastoring a church down in Blandford Forum in Darset, down that way, um, we took a, a big group to Spring Harvest in Minehead to the five-star chalets of Butlins. You know that place? It's the most awesome place to go. Uh, Butlins. Bless the Butlins. We went there with a group to Spring Harvest and it was great to be there. It's lovely to go with a group and have a good laugh and, and go to all the sessions and all that. But um, something happened when we were there. Um, next door to our chalet was a whole crowd of our, our people. And one of them came in one day and banged on our door. Bob, 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 you've got to come in here. You've got to come in here. I thought, what's going on? Oh, you've got to come in here. And so I walked into this chalet next door, and there was a, a, a whole crowd of, of people, um, and there was a girl in the middle, and um, she was part of our, 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 our group, and um, she was on the floor, and she needed freedom from the enemy, putting it as simply as that. And what a racket. They were all speaking in tongues and shouting out in the name of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. It was pandemonium. It was pandemonium. And uh, I went in there, uh, I walked in, and um, I told them all to shut up in love. Because it was, that's, God isn't deaf. The enemy isn't deaf. Is he? And I said, just be quiet. And that person looked at me. And um, I knew her well. Because we'd been involved with her becoming a Christian. 
I knew her well, and she gave me a look that I wouldn't forget. And I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. And immediately, off it went. Afterwards, um, she, uh, she spoke to me and she said, you know, Bob, when you walked in, in that room, something said to me, he can't do it. And then you did it. And she realized the presence of the enemy, but the greater and glorious presence of God. And she was totally free. And she was one of our greatest evangelists in, 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 in our church. She eventually went to British Guiana to serve God there. She was an awesome person. But I remember that, and I wondered, what, what, what is it that we Christians have got? We have the glorious presence. Have we not? Do you agree with me here? Because it's so important, this. The glorious presence. Isaiah 43 says this. God created us for his glory. Now, it says, bring all your claim." All who claim me as their, their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. That's who we are. And I think it's important that actually, you know, we realize who we are. We were created for his glory. We're all very different. We're all individuals. We're not cloned. And I wanted Eileen just to share um, something that we just... Uh, we're talking about the other, the other, the other day. If you could put this up. I've got a testimony about something that happened to me. This is not in my notes, by the way. Oh, well, I'll just came sit down then. <laughs> <laughs> it just came to me when Bob was sharing there, and it was to do with the same thing when we lived in Motherwell in Scotland. We lived in a centre at Gospel Literature Outreach, and we were the only couple in the centre, and Bob was away at a meeting, and this centre, where it was situated, we were completely on our own, with trees around us, so there was no houses round about. And we had a bookshop in the front of the church where we were. And I had taken someone home that had been helping me in the bookshop that day. I'd given them a lift home um, in the middle of the afternoon and I'd put a little note, I'd locked the door and put a little note in the door, back in five minutes. You've seen that in some shops, haven't you? And I thought it was back in five minutes. But when I'd gone out of the shop, I'd gone out the back way and locked the back door with an enormous key. You know the old-fashioned keys and the big locks? I had this great big key. And as I got out the car door, I just heard this voice say, go to the front of the church. And I stopped and I looked at this key and I says, but I've got a key. <laughs> I've got the key for the back door. Go to the front of the church. And that was all I heard. So I thought, okay, but the front of the church is locked. I locked that door. And as I went round to the front of the church and in to go into the bookshop, the door was wide open and there was five guys in the shop. Five guys about 19, 20, early 20s. Some behind the counter, till was open, till was emptied. There was stuff on the floor, they'd wrecked the place. What a mess it was. And I, I walked in. I mean, any sane person would have turned and run. But I walked into the shop with these five guys and I just said, and what do you think you're doing in here? <laughs> And these guys just went whoosh, 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 and ran past me out the shop. And I 
thought, they're all bigger than me. And they all went. And I was standing behind the counter and I thought, I better not touch anything. I need to phone the police. And as I stood there, I just felt the hairs on the back of my neck rise up. And I felt, get out, get out. So I got out the front door and locked it. So the whole thing was locked up. I'd locked somebody that had been hiding. Somebody had stayed and I'd locked somebody in. So of course the police arrived and everything was sorted out. And you know, often I've thought in that, those guys didn't see me standing there saying, what do you think you're doing here? At least that's what I like to think. They saw something bigger than me and more than me that made them run and run out. So that just came to me there. <laughs> I've, I've just written a few bits down because actually this is a quote from somebody and I didn't want to misquote it. So I have written it down. And do you know, I think it's great when a plan comes together, isn't it? And last week, Neil, in part of his talk, was speaking about we're sons and daughters of God. And we need to know who we are. That we are his son, we are his daughter. Now, we all know it in our head because we read it, we're told it, we know it in here. But you know, it's the longest journey from here to here. We need to get it in here. We are his son. We are his daughter. He is our Abba, Daddy. And that's the only way we're going to walk in his presence, see the glory of God in the right way. If we know who we are. This is something that I'm passionate about, just to know who we are in God. And so I was listening just to a little clip this week um, that Lisa Bevere had done. And I thought, yeah, that says it all. So I've written down just bits of what she said because I think it's part of a book she's bringing out. And the book is called Without Rival. And in it, so I've written it down so I don't misquote. In it, she says... She, she was writing, sorting out her notes, and she got tired and said, I need to go and have a rest. So she, she forgot about the notes and went and had a lie down. And as she, she lay down, she felt the Holy Spirit come to her and say, I don't love my children equally. And she says, that made me sit up. I don't love my children equally. So... She says, but you love us all the same. He said, I don't love you all the same. I don't love my children equally. So she got up and she started to look at the meaning of this same equally. And the Holy Spirit, she felt, said to her, if I love you all the same, it means that some of you would be replaceable. If I love you equal, it means that it could be measured. And my love is immeasurable. And I thought, that's good. That's good. So I'll keep listening. So I kept listening. And it said, so I don't love you all the same. I love you uniquely. So she went into the word uniquely. And the word uniquely, she, she got three meanings for it. 
The first one definition was soul representation. You're the only one that can represent me like who you are. Second one was prototype. You're not mass produced. You know, you know the, the phrase, when I made you or when God made you, he threw the mold away. So we're not mass produced. We're prototype. But the one she went for was without rival. Without rival. No rivalry. There's no rivalry in God's place, in you, in, in, for your place in God's heart. This would be robbing the body of Christ. For, you know, we get into that place of where we compare ourselves with each other, we contrast ourselves to things that are happening and done, and actually we're robbing the body of Christ, we're robbing who we are because of our uniqueness and because of, God, of what God wants to do in our life. You know, there's no rivalry in heaven. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But they all work together. If some of us are happier with Jesus because of what happened maybe to do with our earthly father. We can't relate the same way to God as Father, but we can relate to Jesus. Some of us relate to the Holy Spirit. But you know, there's no rivalry. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So therefore, we can relate in, in the same way. So no rivalry in God's heart for his people, and we're robbing the body of Christ. We're too busy contrasting ourselves. Because, you know, because he, he loves us uniquely, he has a calling, an identity on each of our lives. Our identity and our calling and our destiny, you can go into everything to do with our lives, is unique. He loves us the way we need to be loved. You know, those of you who've got children, our children are all different. And sometimes my mother used to love my sister and I tried to love us the same way because she was terrified that we thought there was a favorite so we get treated the same no matter what our needs were it was the same there was that level of we knew we were loved but there was no difference made but God loves us uniquely in the ways that we need to be loved and he pulls out what's in us just for us because we have that place in his heart. Think about it. He loves you uniquely. You be the one that would light up his eyes. Because that's how he sees you. You be the one that would light up his eyes. And you think, oh God, I want to be able to do that. I want to light up your eyes. Just because I come to you because I'm your child. We have a God without rival. So we can come and call him Abba, Daddy, because he loves us, made us, knows us. We're unique in his sight and he wants to pull out all the good stuff, everything that he's put in us. It's not that blanket love. He loves everybody. Of course he loves everybody. He loves everybody. 
but he loves us enough to know who we are and make us into who we are, to carry his presence, to carry his glory and get the best out of it. No more striving, no more struggling, just to be able to carry his presence. Let the striving go and just be in him. This wonderful, wonderful God without rival. The glorious presence of God is all about uh, the importance of him in our lives. The second thing I want to just to say this for a few minutes is when we see God's glory, we can take on the world. If, if we understand who we are in Christ, if we understand what Eileen was saying is for you and me, that makes, me, that makes us all very significant and very individual, you know, and, and all of us are called to whatever he has for us, and he allows his presence to come. So when we see God's glory, we can, we can take on the world. I love the picture of the sun and the moon. The moon has no light at all, but when the sun reflects on it, 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 it beams. And here we are, we are sun reflectors, S-O-N reflectors. We reflect him. We are here. That's how God's glory is seen um, to mankind. It's not all about physical halos, and I know that Moses' face shone, and, and that happens sometimes. You can see some folk, you know, manifesting something supernaturally. You see all these stained glass windows of halos, and I'm sure that happens in many situations, but my reading of, of the glory of God, um, it comes sometimes in, in different ways. You know, his glorious presence, you can see God's radiance on people. I, I've, been all, all, I've been long enough on this earth to, to know when you, you, you talk to somebody and you, you see something there that just oozes out the glory of God. You know what I mean? We've all, had, we've all met these folks, and they're wonderful just to be hanging about. I remember once when we, we were living up in, in Glasgow, this a few years ago, um, and we were involved in a church in Glasgow, and I was able to get surprise Satoli, who, uh, who works with Iris. I, he is the kind of Heidi Baker's... Um, sidekick assistant. He's, he's responsible for the 10,000 churches in Africa, which I think is quite a big responsibility. You know, and, and he came and we got him to, to speak at the church there and he stayed with us. And I thought, here's this awesome man of God who carries the glory of God. You know, you, you, your ideas of what he's going to be like, you know what I mean? He speaks 15 languages, never learned one. That's not fair, is it? You know, but, but the point is this, that that's the way that God just gave him the languages. He went for an interview in, a, in an English-speaking college, never spoke a, a word of English, was interviewed, got, the, got, got in there. And, and they said, how did I do that? Oh, you spoke good English. That's God, isn't it? For him, uniquely. And so he came and, and lived with us, and just, he came in, and he was so quiet, so, he was unassuming, wee guy. You know, so nice. It, it was very nice. Um, and I thought, what kind of guy is this? Um, uh, and uh, then I took him to the, to the church to speak on the Sunday morning. He blew the place away. He just blew the place away. You know, uh, he got into his African rhythm. Uh, and he, he, he preached and he, he, he... We saw about 20 folk healed that morning. And I thought, wow, he carries something. 
But yet, naturally, well, not naturally, we're just him. And I, I found it amusing because he has a preconception. He was in our house, okay? And I was trying to be spiritual. You know the idea? <laughs> trying to, trying to, be, to be, a, be a good Christian. And out, out the back uh, in our home, we, we had a summer house. And, um, and, and surprise was walking, just sitting out, looking out the back one, one morning at breakfast. Oh, Bob, you've got a prayer room, I see. <laughs> I half lied. Okay. <laughs> I says, well, we do pray out there sometimes. We did. I mean, is that, we, did, we did pray out there. It wasn't a prayer room. It was a summer house. You know the idea. It's so cold in Scotland. You know, when the sun comes out, you want all the heat in the summer house. But it wasn't that. It was his concept, his mindset. You know what I mean? Uh, he was the kind of guy that saw things from God's perspective because that's the way he lived. He prayed that way. And just last week, uh, we were using a, a daily reading book by Heidi and Roland called Reckless Love. And it was just last week, uh, I caught the same um, atmosphere again because she says, some mornings when I'm in Pemba, um, I, I go along to the villages there and have a chat with folk because I know the folk and, and everything else and, and we say hello. And one lady gave me a shout and, and she called me into her, her little little house and she told me, asked her how you're doing, she said, not too well, um, I, I get raped most nights. And the reason why I get raped is I've no door. I've got a door but I've no an opening, but no door. So they all come in here, and I can't do a thing about it. And she says, well, what, do I, what am I going to do with this? Here is someone whom you know who does carry the presence of God and so forth. What do you do about that? What would God do about that? Well, she says, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I got some medicine for her, and I bought her a door with a lock on it. Now, to me, that's the glorious presence of God working, is it not? And to us, that is something that we do all the time. We do things like that practically, but they're supernatural. Because in so doing, you're carrying something very special. So when we see God's glory, uh, we can take on the world in our given situations. It's perspective. What do we see? What is the attracting people to, the, to, to you and me? Are we attractive? Are people drawn to us? Not just so that we can then preach at them. That's not, that's not the point. It's about the fact of, of there is something within us that is drawing people to us. And I believe that is something that we have, a, we have the, the privilege of having. Moses could say, I want your presence, Lord. I want you to be there. You know, and it says in 2 Corinthians 4, we are jars of clay carrying this treasure. We are treasures in jars of clay. We are treasures. And, you know, fragile jars containing great treasure. Moses had the glorious presence of God with his responsibility, his calling in life. And God went with him. His glorious presence went with him. And in so doing, for 40 years, he carried the presence of God with him in whatever he did. And, you know, for him to take on a nation and to deliver a nation was an amazing concept. And we have the same glorious presence with us today. And we are people of the presence wherever we go. 
Um, don't get hyped up in being, oh, I'm going to be really spiritual. Nah, be yourself. But the Holy Spirit's in us, isn't he? Let's be naturally supernatural. A Scotsman said that, by the way. Jim Graham, one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard from Gold Hill Baptist Church. You know, we are naturally supernatural. And here we are, born of the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, with an, a unique calling on us, our lives. We can carry His presence where He wants us to carry it. And that's my prayer for all of us this morning, that we would carry this presence. You'll see this in salvations. You will see it in healings. You will see it in God guiding you. You will see it in, in so many different areas. But just get this concept. We are carrying his glorious presence. 